This is episode 108 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing with Women's Camp 2014, Dancing on the Battlefield with Sherry Rose Shepherd. This is session three from Saturday night. Good morning. How did you all sleep? Now you have to have another retreat from the retreat, right? We have our first retreat, which is where we get to enjoy each other and have our slumber party, and then we need to have a retreat. I think that every retreat should end with a napping day, where someone, before we go down the hill, just puts us to bed for like five or six hours. What do you think about that? (laughs) Well, we've talked about several things. We talked the, the first night, we talked about dancing on the battlefield, using pain for God's purpose. And I want to say, and summing that up, what I have learned is I know that it's hard to push through painful places, but it's harder to know that you wasted that pain. And so if you're going to be in the fire, if you're going to be in the lion's den, if you're going to be walking in the battle, you might as well take it and use it for God's glory. Amen? Because then there's purpose in the pain, and when purpose comes in the pain, then healing comes. And joy comes. And then you can look at the giants in your life like David did and say, you come to me with a sword or you come to me with an attack, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And so I'm praying that our perspective has changed on the things that we walk through. And then we talked about relationships. And we talked about rebuilding and if it is possible, what it is that we can do. And we talked about that we're on the same team and what it looks like when the army of God is firing at each other instead of unified and marching towards the enemy's lines and winning souls for Christ. And this morning is a much shorter message because we're going to do a communion. But as many of you have come up to me, and thank you very much. I've never had more encouragement from one retreat and more people that said they were touched than this retreat. So thank you very much for taking the time to share your hearts and the things that you have put on my Facebooks and the messages, thank you. I saw them. I read them. They encouraged me. I am leaving here completely ministered to by you all as well. So thank you so much for that on behalf of me and my family. I thank you for that. But this morning I talked thought about the things I heard this weekend and the things that I've when I've talked with you individually. And I thought about those of us that were in situations and we're not coming out of the fire, that circumstance is not going to change. When Moses lost his temper, made a poor choice, God didn't allow Moses to enter into the promised land. But Moses still entered into the promised land through Joshua. So he didn't put his feet on the promised land but he took what he learned from life, from God, from hard lessons, and he poured it in to the next generation. And so therefore his faith and his walk and his sacrifice and his experiences with God was not wasted. Um, many of you know I wrote a book about preparing our husband, uh, preparing our husbands, <laughs> yeah, raising up our husbands, no. <laughs> raising up our sons. I'll write that book next, Raise Never Husbands, but, but this is about our sons. And um, a lot of you that have heard me speak know that I've walked through a pretty hard marriage. And um, when my little boy was two years old, he asked me to marry him. 
And I had to break the news to him that mommies can't marry their sons. And he's like, well, then who am I going to marry then? And I, I realized in that moment that I am raising someone's husband. And I purposed myself to raise him to belong to somebody else, to give him away. It kept my perspective in my mothering when I was having him open doors for me and keep his commitments and teaching him to pray for me so he would pray for his bride. And today my daughter-in-law who works for me says, you know, I know you've had a, a tough marriage, but I want to thank you because you raised up a man of God and I get the benefit of what you poured into my husband. And that legacy lives on in our family. And they have a good, healthy, strong, godly foundation. So don't buy the lie that because you don't have whatever it is you think you need, your children can't rise above and become men and women of God. If you really think about even my own testimony, I am a former drug addict from a dysfunctional family raised in a Jewish home that has dyslexia. I'm just saying. <laughs> There's no reason in the world that I should be standing up here teaching you. But in Christ. But in Christ. But in Christ. He can do all things. But in Christ, he takes pain and purposes it to do something great for his glory. And when you walk through certain things... You break for certain things. God says, I comfort you so you yourself can be a comfort to others. And so I, I just want to talk about a little bit what did we learn in elementary school from the fireman that came to visit when we were on fire or in a fire? What did he say? What did they tell us to do? Awesome. Stop, drop, and roll. Well, here's what I want to start with. John Wesley said, get on fire for God and people will come watch you burn. <laughs> and so whether I am in the best place in my life or the hardest place in my life, if I, my faith is on fire, people are going to watch me burn. They can watch me burn when I'm being blessed, being thankful, being humble, sharing those blessings. And they can watch me burn when I'm in a battle. Seeing me keep my faith, keep going to church, keep going to the cross, keep reading the word, keep talking about Jesus, keep praying, keep the worship on. So our fire can burn and people can see Christ and people can watch us burn the way we react to disappointment, the way we react to each other, the way we react to God when we don't get what we want. I love the silversmith story. Many of us know it, but I love when um, the little boy is watching the silversmith burn the precious metal, and the little boy says to the silversmith, how do you know how long to keep the metal in the fire until it is silver, until it's purified? And I love what he says. He goes, I know that keep it in the fire until I can see my own reflection in it. And I was thinking about Jesus, like, okay, Lord, how long am I going to, whatever it is you're asking God, how long? How long will you struggle with finances? How long will you struggle with this? And I feel like God has seen, when you handle it the way that I do, and it has had its way in you, 
and it has engraved on your heart who I've called you to be. It's kind of like when you're a mom and you discipline your children, you can't put them in time out and then sit in the corner with them and make cookies and watch a movie with them. <laughs> and they could be crying and they could be hurting and you, you but the reality is if you're, if they're not consequences, God says, I discipline those I love. He says, I'm close to the brokenhearted. And so what I'm learning to ask God is, what do you want to show me in this fire? Because I really don't enjoy it. I want to get out of here. So let's do what we need to to get your reflection going <laughs> and show me everything I need to learn. And I think if we begin to ask that question, God, not my will, like Jesus said, but your will. God, show me what I need to learn in this, how I need to react in this. In Isaiah 48, 10, it says, See, I've refined you, though not as silver, but I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. Fires force us to evacuate from things that are burning up things we love. They force us to evaluate. If our houses are on fire, we're going to grab what's most valuable to us, and we're going to get out. But when the flames are out of control, we need to stop, drop, and roll. Because God has instructions in that. The first thing we need to stop is we need to stop talking, James 3.6. Because if I continually talk about how bad the fire is, I'm not going to find an exit. And I'm not going to flame the fire even more. I'm going to blow the fire bigger with my words. James 3.6 says, a tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it says it is set on fire by hell itself. That's pretty brutal in the Word of God, don't you think? And so what I need to do is I need to stop fueling my fears. I need to stop talking about how bad everything is, and I need to start talking about how big God is. I need to start talking, looking to God and stop trying to figure it out myself. I need to stop trying to lean on to my own understanding. I don't know about you, but as women, do you ever like reflect in your mind over and over again what you could have done, what you should have done, what happened? Like you rewind it like a thousand times and then we talk about it a thousand more times because, uh, okay, look at this young man over here. Nope, never do that. I just, you know, something happens and I'm over it. I'm a guy. I go in boxes. Okay. <laughs> well, good for you. But we women, we're like a continual movie. And we rewind it, and we rework it, and we replay it, don't we, women? You know what I'm talking about. And we torment ourselves. And I can just hear our Heavenly Father going, baby girl, stop leaning on your own understanding. Because I don't know about you, but I drive myself crazy replaying things over and over again. Let's just learn. God, show me what you want me to learn in this, and then let's stop replaying the movie. Let's, like, throw out the DVD. And don't download it. Get rid of it. And let's put in a new one. Let's God burn a new DVD for us. A new movie in us. And so stop fueling your fears. Stop talking about how bad it is. And, and, and the thing is, we create fears that don't exist anyway. How many of you have suffered many catastrophes and most of them never happened? You know the acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. 
You know what I'm talking about, women. When you think about what could happen and you, and you react to what might happen and torment yourself. You know, I heard a story once of a young man that had rescued a woman from being killed from a gunman in a gas station back in years ago. You used to, well, here they still do it. Never mind. But you have to have your gas filled up by someone else. That's right. I lived in Oregon. That was the first place I knew. It was confirmation from God. I was supposed to be here. <laughs> I don't have to get out of my car and pump my own gas. This is God's country, but <laughs> no doubt, especially in the snow. But, and so while we were there, I, I heard the story. Well, I um, drive a stick shift for years and our car broke down and my in-laws draw a van. And the way he saved this woman's life is he went to go pump her gas and he saw a man in the back that had a gun. And he was wise, and he said, um, your credit card isn't working. You need to come in and talk to the credit card company, which got her out of the car, which gave them ability to call the police from the gas station office, and he became a hero. So when my car broke down and we borrowed my in-law's van, and it was night, and uh, my husband was painting my living room pink, and um, <laughs> if mama's not happy, no one's happy. But anyway, <laughs> and he, he said, I need you to get another can of paint, and, and I knew, because I, it was a faux finish thing, and I said, no, I don't want to get in the van, because I thought all vans have gunmans. Um, they grow in there at night. And so I was positive of that. And so I, I, I went to get in the van so scared, and, and I back out of the driveway, and I put it in reverse, and I look in the river mirror, and then I put it in drive, and I look in the river mirror, and I'm positive I saw someone in the back of the van. Did you know that automatics, when they're in drive, keep going? <laughs> because stick shifts stop. And I jumped out of the van. <laughs> so the van is going towards our neighbor's living room window. But I don't want to get in the car with a gunman, so I grab the side of the door and I used my heels to try to stop it like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, honey! <laughs> and he sees this woman dangling off a door with a van, about, and it literally within six inches. He runs in, he slams it in park. I go, there's a gunman in the back of the car. And he's like, no, but you're gonna kill our neighbors. You know? Anyway, my, my in-laws had left their vacuum cleaner in the back of the car. Why do we need a vacuum in the car? When you're in the fire and someone has done something unjust to you, immoral to you, attacked you, betrayed you, stop and look at Joshua 3.5 in the fire. Stop and purify yourself, meaning when I'm walking through a tough time or you're walking through a tough time and it's due to the fact of someone's betrayal or they've cheated on you or they've stolen from you or they've ripped you off or they've falsely accused you, the best gift you can do for you and your family and your faith and your emotions and your heart is to anchor yourself in Joshua 3, 5, where the word of God says, purify yourself for the Lord is getting ready to do great and mighty things among you. So two wrongs don't make a right. Evil for evil never works out. 
And if you're not careful and I'm not careful, we become like the people that hurt us in trying to heal ourselves. Does that make sense? But if I stop feeling my fears, cry out to God. You don't, oh, I'm so strong, I'm so strong, I'm so strong. Those who sow with tears will reap with joy. There's no way through mourning but through. Through would be the word, not around. And so through, God does want you to cry out to him. Just read the Psalms, read the scripture. It's over and over and over again. But purify yourself. How can I anchor myself in purity? And if I'm, my mind and my faith is being messed with and it's on fire and I've been thrown into the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then the worst thing you could do is listen to non-Christian music, listen to non-Christian counsel, not be in church. Even if you're mad at God, press in to the only one that can get you through this. And when you're done, you won't be doing things you regret. Has anybody in this room ever acted out of emotion and did something you regret? Yes, more than once a month, right? <laughs> but stop blaming yourself. You're human. You're going to blow it a thousand more times before you die, if not more. We, we are human. That's why we have a Savior. That's why we have the cross. That's why we have forgiveness. That's why we have confession. Stop blaming yourself. Stop beating yourself up. If I had done this, if I had done that, just get with God, confess it, look at it, and let it go. Because once you confess it, he has. So once you have confessed, God, I repent for blank. I ask God that you would take this mess made, whether it's by my actions or someone else, or you may need to say, I choose to forgive the person that started this fire because I don't want to become like the person that started this fire. And I don't want to give them any more room to burn any more things up. And it's a conscious decision to do that. The drop is drop what's not working. Drop what's not working. You, I know we've all heard this, insanity is doing the thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result, but drop what's not working, drop what's not the word. So if you're trying to get a breakthrough in a relationship, a breakthrough in, in something, you're in, and you can't get the breakthrough, you might want to go to God and a godly person, the word, get some wisdom and try something different. Because so many times we're so set in our ways, we don't hear God, and we aren't able to change them. Nope, I'm hanging on to this. Hang on to the word. Hang on to prayer. Hang on to worshiping. Hang on to going to church. Hang on to godly counsel. But don't hang on to your ways when they're not working. Literally say, God, this isn't working. I've tried to say this a million times, and it is the same result. It is not working. So we need to get with the Lord, get in the word. And, and the word is everything. You can't, when you're in a fire and there's smoke everywhere and you have no idea how you're going to get out and you're holding on for dear life, you need to listen to the voice for the firemen to get you out, right? They need to either come in and rescue you or they need to say, there's an exit to the left. I need you. And you hear them on the bullhorn telling you where to go to get you out to keep you safe. Is that not accurate? And so we need to understand that I cannot think on my own when I am on fire, when I'm emotional, when I'm hurting, I'm not going to make good choices. So you need to surround yourself with people that do make good choices for you. And you need to go to the word and listen to podcasts all day long if that's what you need to do. 
have worship on all day long if that's what you need to do. I don't know about you, but I don't like most of my own thoughts. They feel fear. They feel sadness. They feel insecurity. So I have to, if I want to renew my mind, it has to be with the word, with podcasts, with good teachers, speakers, so on. And why I'm right here before I forget, BibleGateway.com. Do any of you use that website for your Bible? Okay. I'm their video devotionalist. So if you do want weekly video devotions at no charge, you would go to the devotions. And I'm the first one. It says Bible Life Coaching with Sherry Rose Shepherd, And you can put your email in. And I teach from the Word of God a few minutes each week. And every Monday, you would get three to five minutes of Bible teaching. That would be emailed right to your phone or your computer, BibleGateway.com. And then you just look up Bible Life Coaching, go to the devotions. Okay, Proverbs 4.20-23. And I have cards on my table you can get to, to remember how to get to that. But my child, it says, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing for the whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the entire course of your life. Drop the idols, the things that we hang on to, the things that we bow down to. And the role is roll and wrestle with God as Jacob did in the Bible, meaning don't forfeit your legacy. Fight for your blessing. Fight to finish strong. As Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept my faith. I have finished my race. Even when you don't feel like it, if you don't know what to do, better you would do nothing than give up. Better you would just be still than walk away. Because sometimes you don't have the energy to fight. And God's saying, that's okay. Just let me love you. And some of you right now are in that place. You're like, I have, there's no way, I don't have anything to give to anybody else. I need to receive right now. And we're always in two places in our life. We're either in a place where we have the strength and love and grace to give and to serve, or we're in a place where we need to be comforted and we need to be served and we need to be loved. And that's family. That's the body of Christ. So if you're in a good place, in a strong place, then let God use you because he says, I bless you to be a blessing, and he'll give to you what he can give through you. And so if you're in that place, then look for those that need your comfort, that need those words of life. If you're in a hurting place, then let someone know, you know what, I'm hurting. Don't pretend everything's all good. Because a lot of times people don't get their needs met and they're mad at the church. And it's not the church that's not meeting their needs. It's that they're not aware that you have a need. It's not that they don't want to. They aren't aware of it. So you think, no one there loves me, no one ever sees me. And they're like, we, God sees you, but if you need help, you need to ask for it. Because we as Christians, we love to help. Because we get refreshed ourselves. We get blessed. And before we take the communion, what do you do if everything that you love and everything that you live for is being burned up? Like Job. And what's interesting about Job, to me, is that even though everything was taken from him, Satan said, let me sift him, and then let's see if he serves you. Because he loved God and he lived for God, he was obviously in wretched pain that he lost his family and his health and his wealth and people falsely accused him. He was obviously in wretched pain. 
But even in his most painful, depressed place, when his wife said to him, Job, God is no longer with you. Curse God. He refused to give up his relationship with God. And God was so pleased, he replaced him 10 times more than he lost. And hopefully a new wife that can speak life. <laughs> because it's really important when someone is walking through to be an Abigail, like we talked about yesterday, to be a Dave, I mean, to be a Jonathan, to speak life. And here's another thing. When you're in a fire, sometimes you're just going to have to speak life to yourself. You're going to have to say things like this. I know God won't waste this pain. Then remember the last time you were in a fire or a battle that he pulled you through. And help others do that. When they're hurting and they're going through something that's so bad, then speak to them and say, when was the last time in you walk with God, whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whenever, that you didn't think you were going to make it through and God brought you through. Do you see how that helps increase each other's faith? It burns fire in each other's faith because then you begin to think about the faithfulness of God. You remember it. And understand that a lot of times God loves us so much that he won't give us what we ask for because he knows it will take us away from him and his perfect will. And I know many of us say, well, I'm going to pray. He says the faith the size of a mustard seed will move a mountain. He only needs to move that mountain if it's in the way of his will for your life. If it's not in the way of his will, it could be like what Paul asked for. Please remove the thorn from my flesh. There could be things that are in your life that God's saying, I'm repositioning you, just like the military gets stationed where they're most effective. Where you are right now is holy ground. If you begin to cry out to God and get real with God and say, this hurts, I can't handle it. Show me what you need to show me. Do what you need to do in me. You begin to say, God, use this pain. You begin to speak truth to yourself. You begin to renew your mind by, maybe you can't read the word because you're too weak right now. Listen to the word. It's on audio. You can go to Bible Gateway and push audio and it will read it to you. Maybe at night you need to lay and sleep and just have worship going all night to renew your spirit so you can wake up with joy. But don't add to the fire. Don't put negativity around yourself. Remember, we don't want to be the church of Eeyore. But Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. As, I, as we go into communion... Jesus, what I think about is he is the son of God. He knew he came to die for our sins. Have you ever wondered why then he prayed to his father? Is there any other way? Is there any other way? He asked for another way. And he asked for another way not once, but three times. And I wonder why he went back again and prayed. He needed God to prepare his heart to, for what he was about to give up and do for us. And so sometimes there's not another way. And so at the end of Jesus' life when he was on this cross, he said these things.
he said, it is finished. That was the last thing he said. It is finished. Can you say that with me? It is finished. When you walked in, you were given a piece of paper. Can you take that paper out for me? And if you need a pen, everyone will want to participate in this. We're going to do something very special before we take communion together. I don't know what you're hanging on to or what's holding on to you. I don't know how God spoke to you this weekend, but you do. And there, before we go down that mountain, wouldn't it be great to say, it is finished? Because a good message doesn't do anything. Laughing with friends and having fun together is a beautiful gift. But we really come up to the mountain to go back different and to be free. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. And when Jesus said it is finished, he paid too big a price on that cross for us to live powerless, defeated lives. Amen? And so I don't know what you're struggling with. I know the things I am, and I'm going to finish some things myself. But I'm going to call it out, and then you, if it's something you know you want done, then I'm going to call it out, you write it down, and then when you're done, you're going to crumble it up, and we're going to come forward, and we're going to lay it at the cross or put it in the trash can. There's a trash can on each side, because this is trash given to you by Satan, and you are a treasured princess. You don't carry trash. You carry truth. Amen? And so we're going to throw it in the trash. And then if after the retreat's over, I see any of you trying to dig it out, I will kick you down. Um, because it's going to stay here. Okay? Amen? So this is not a thing. So don't be looking at each other's papers. Okay? But depression. Who's done with being discouraged and depressed? Then you write it down. It is finished. Disappointment. A person that you've allowed to control you and you've made your God and what they think of you and the way they react to you is how you allow yourself to see you. And you're in that place going, no, I don't want to let a human being have control of me anymore. It is finished. I want to be free. You may need to write that person's name down. It's finished. I will not walk under that person's controlling me anymore. I'm going to walk free and live for Christ. Fear. Maybe you've been controlled by fear of finances, fear of the future, just fear. The emotion of fear has gripped itself on you and you're like, no, it's finished. I do not want to walk in fear anymore. Maybe honesty. You've been afraid to be honest with someone and you've been hiding, and God's saying, it's time for you to go confront someone, tell them the truth, and be finished. Because I say, if someone's offended you or hurt you, says the Lord, then you go directly to that person and confront it. Maybe there's someone that you love, and they're falling into sin, and you have not had the courage to get in their face and say, as long as I'm standing here, you're not going to fall. 
I love you and God loves you, but I'm not going to let you fall and you need courage. And you're like, I'm done being a wimp. You'd write the word wimp. It is finished. I will not be a wimp anymore. Maybe it's people pleasing. And, and maybe it's excessive busyness where you just are tired and you're done just filling your schedule with busy and you want to start being about your father's business, whether that's being still or serving, he'll show you. And you're done being busy and exhausted. Maybe you're at my workshop and you're like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm done trashing God's temple. And I know there's food he's asked me to give up and there's rest he's asked me to have. And it is finished. I'm not going to, and you can just put the word trash. I'm not going to do this to God anymore. This is the Holy Spirit's temple. Maybe it's gossip. You've gotten into a habit of gossiping and you know that's something you just want to get right. You don't want to continue. You didn't even realize you were doing it until we talked to the relationship message. You were just talking and you weren't even thinking out was hurting someone. Then just write that down. Let's pray, Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you know what it is that controls us and you say we're a slave to whatever controls us. We want to be controlled by you. We want to have our heart in a place where it's safest in your hands. God, some of us in this room hurt so bad, like myself, that we just need a healing touch. And we are asking for the morning season to be over and the healing to begin. If that's you, write the morning down and say, I'm ready for the new beginning. Some of us, like myself, as, as you showed us in the Word, have held on to something dead. And you want to do something new but we keep holding on to something that has been put to death. And so whatever that is, Lord, show us and let us be finished with it. Let you have it. Let it die so we can walk in the new life, the new calling, the new beginning. Because battles are not the end. They're the beginning of a miracle if we allow it to be. Some of us have not been obedient, God. We're not purified. We watch TV shows and we read things and we listen to music and we hang out places that are polluting our spirits. And if you're done with that pollution, then put the word pollution. I'm going to purify myself. It's finished. I'm not going to be watching those shows and listening to that music and hanging out with those people that take me away from my Savior. I want all that God has for me. Pollution is done. It goes in the trash where it belongs. Some of us, God has asked us to make some changes, and we're stubborn. And maybe it's stubborn you need to write down. Saying pride and stubbornness is finished. I don't have it figured out, God. I need you. I lay down what I want, and I lay down my pride for you to have your way in my life. I'm not sure what it is, but um, are you going to, are we going to do worship while we do communion? Okay. Um, I'm going to ask that when you're ready, we'll start with this first sections here. Come forward. You'll say the words, crash up. Well, first of all, crumble up your piece of paper when you're done. Crumble it up. Hold it up. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I receive your new life, your new beginning, 
the new mind in Christ. I choose to walk in truth and let go of every lie. And what's written on this paper, in Jesus' name, is finished. It will no longer hold me. I give my entire life and future and heart to you. You've asked me to love you with all my heart, all my strength, all my mind. I choose to do this on this day. Thank you that your blood has covered what's on this paper. Thank you that I can forgive and I am forgiven. Let the new begin now. In Jesus' name.